0: Is it time for the Baltimore Ravens to move on from Greg Roman? We talk about that and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire, and we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in with us, making us your first listen of the day, or free and available on all platforms, including over on youtube so if you are here with us on youtube be sure to like this video subscribe to the channel in audio form whether you're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify be sure to follow along as well we are daily monday through friday so if you want daily ravens news analysis the latest updates and more, be sure to keep it locked on here on Locked on Ravens. But we're going to dive into a bunch of conversations here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Again, Baltimore falling to Jacksonville in week 12, 28, 27. We'll dive into kind of like the final, final recap of that game. Go we'll over some points, talk about the red zone offense, the fourth quarter collapse, and a little bit more of that. But then in the second and third segments, we'll answer mailbag questions, some pertaining to Greg Roman. Should the Ravens move on from Greg Roman? We'll talk a bit about Lamar Jackson. We'll talk a bit about potential offseason needs moving forward, some players who have underachieved and more. So we have a lot to dive into today. Let's start off, though, with that Jacksonville game. And it was like it was one that a lot of people expected Baltimore to win. Myself included Baltimore favored in this game. But at the same time, Jacksonville was a tough team coming in. They played a lot of different teams, tough going into this week and they hung around just enough. We talked with Tony Wiggins of locked on Jaguars leading up to the game. And he said, look, if the Jaguars can hang around a little bit and maybe sneak out a win, that's something they have tried to do throughout the course of the season. But for them, it was, they were coming up maybe three points short or seven points short. They weren't losing their games by 20, 25, 30 points. And that's what happened. Baltimore could not get anything going through the first three quarters here. The second straight week, that's the case. And again, as I kind of have said throughout the week here, slow starts happen on offense, but starting slow for three plus quarters, two straight weeks just can't happen, especially for a Lamar Jackson led offense. And it's one that has struggled with drops a ton of just horrendous, horrible drops over these past couple of weeks. Mark Andrews, a culprit to Marcus Robinson, Kenyon Drake, Josh Oliver had one. There have been many players who just have, put Lamar Jackson throws on the ground, but also Lamar Jackson does have to hit some of those deep throws that we saw, obviously the one early in the game to DeMarcus Robinson. We've seen some deep ball accuracy inconsistencies from Lamar Jackson throughout the course of the season. Play calling has to be better. I think some of the play calling was suspect in the Jacksonville game. I know a lot of people point to that. What was it like third and eight fullback screen to Patrick Ricard or something? I think there was something similar on the second down prior to that third down. But at the same time, and we'll get into this in the second segment, you know, there were some of that is 100% fall to Greg Roman, 1000%. But also, Greg Roman is not dropping passes. Greg Roman is not overthrowing deep shots. So it's everybody, it's not just a one person or one player thing. And against Jacksonville, Baltimore on offense goes two of five in the red zone. That's something you can't have. Again, leaving 12 points on the board and a one point loss. It's a theme throughout the course of this entire season. I was able to look at some red zone stats throughout the course of the year so far. Over the course of 2022, Baltimore currently touchdown only, so we're not doing conversion percentages for touchdown and field goals. Just for touchdowns, 24th red zone offense in the league for the Ravens. But if you switch that and look at the last three weeks for Baltimore, The Ravens drop all the way down, not quite to last in the league, but they end up being the 29th rated offensive team in the red zone. 38.46 conversion percentage over the last three weeks. And over the course of the season, 51.16 conversion percentage, getting the ball in the end zone, not just field goals and touchdowns combined. So it's something they have to improve upon. They have to. John Harbaugh talked about it on Monday and he said, they're going to look at everything, but it's about, taking accountability for everything here. It's a team effort. Obviously, you win as a team and you lose as a team, but we've heard it before. You know, we've heard the things about how the Ravens are going to be better with the play clock, right? The play clock in this game was a huge issue. Again, it's becoming very tiring to talk about, I'm sure, for many, many people. Tiring to probably hear about as well where the Ravens just either cannot get the plays in on time or they get to the line late and the play clock goes five, four, three, two, one, zero. And there's either a delay of game or things are rushed. And Spencer Schultz on yesterday's show talked about, I think, brilliantly, brilliantly talked about how you just have to get to the line quicker to just keep a tempo and be able to keep consistency, keep a rhythm so you're able to look and see, oh, this guy's lined up here and you know that you're able to do snubs, do stuff pre-snap that you're not able to do when you get to the line with 10 or, or seven seconds left. And you have to make sure everybody's set motion, the guy over and make sure everybody's in position to make a play there. And we saw that consistently over the course of the Jaguars game. We even saw it in the Carolina. I mean, this has been, it's not even just those two games. It's been a yearly thing for them. So, I mean, hopefully they figure it out. It was better in the second half and, and John Harbaugh, said that Greg Roman had to get the plays in fast, or he said that Greg Roman told him that he had to get the plays in faster and it seemed to work. But if it goes back to what it was in the early part of that game in week 13 against Denver – it's just like, what are you doing? And what's what's the? How do you solve that if you're the Ravens? Because you had the answer, it seems like. So just work on that. So in in the game for the Ravens, the offense obviously very underwhelming for the first three quarters, but then they do put up 15 points. The defense kind of jumpstarts them with a turnover deep in Jacksonville territory, but then the defense ends up blowing a lead. Jacksonville's final three possessions were touchdown, field goal, and touchdown with a two point conversion. 18 total points in the span of one quarter and less than a quarter that it can't happen, especially it just, it felt like they thought the game was won. especially when Clayus Campbell had that strip sack that Baltimore just barely didn't recover. And the Jaguars are in that third and 21 situation and the Ravens defense probably thought, you know, there's no way, right? There's no way they'll convert a third and 21 on two downs. Well, Jacksonville picks up 16 on third down. Then they pick up the fourth and five conversion. And again, it was just driving down the field, driving down the field, and you've, we've seen it so many times this season where the Ravens have either lost a game or come very close to losing a game because the defense cannot perform in the fourth quarter. Obviously, we saw the Miami game, right? That was a disaster in the fourth quarter where the Ravens, I think, were getting too Q play calling-wise. Mike McDonald and the Dolphins just drive up and down the field in no time at all, and the Ravens lose that game. Buffalo, the Bills get the ball back deep deep in their own territory after that that touchdown fail by the ravens on offense and the bills drive down the field get that game-winning field goal the defensive performance against the giants i'm not going to put that on the defense in this one but we've seen just too many inconsistencies fourth quarter wise both offensively and defensively this game though the defense has to close the ravens put so much money into that defense and they have for years and years and years especially we've talked about their secondary right cornerback deals, safety deals, spending high draft capital. It's not just money. You spend high draft capital on some of these guys. Marlon Humphrey, a first round pick. You give Marcus Williams $70 million over five seasons. Now he's not, he's not playing right now, so I'm not putting blame on him, but just, you know, for the context of what the point is here, Marcus Peters, you give a huge $42 million extension after trading form. Kyle Hamilton, first round pick. Right. These are all players that the Ravens have invested heavy in. And so that defensive unit, you know, with all that money, with all that money in the defensive side of the ball, you just, you have to perform in those big moments. And it, it I think it'd be a little different, a little different, not not as excusable, but a little different if the Ravens maybe had this happen once throughout the course of the season so far, but it hasn't been once. It's the little mistakes, the little self-inflicted wounds, not just defensively, it's offensively as well, but those little things that just pile up and pile up Penalties weren't an issue in this game against Jacksonville. The referees really just, they didn't put the flags on the ground. They didn't blow their whistles a ton in this one. So there weren't really penalties for them. But at the same time, the other self-inflicted boons did them in. And they just did just little enough to lose this game to the point where now they're a 7-4 football team instead of 8-3. and three. They do not have a five-game winning streak. Now they have to try to build a new streak. And its I know it is disappointing for a lot of people just because of how they were playing Well, at least defensively, I know offensively against Carolina was not wonderful, but you see the Tampa game in the second half. You see the New Orleans game, that, that domination, that front to back end domination. And you're thinking, all right, they're turning a corner, right? Then the offense puts up a stinker against Carolina while the defense carries, you know, great performance defensively in week 11, but then the offense and defense never get on the same page in week 12. And you have the offense playing well for the fourth quarter, but they didn't, don't do anything in the first and second and third quarters then you have the defense playing well in the first and second and third quarters but then the defense can't play well in the fourth quarter so they never really matched up they never really lined up together so hopefully baltimore can bounce back coming up but coming up in our second segment we'll be diving into mailback questions greg roman lamar jackson and more so be sure to stay tuned still a ton to talk about here on locked on ravens but first this episode is sponsored by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip, get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or even a holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B as well. You can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday Everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, tradition, and exclusions apply. To get bored and rent to cars and find your drive at Turo.com. And this episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. Find Block Forever now wherever you get your podcasts. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes you through the conversation about football to the next level, he gives football fans and insiders look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. this down with star players, coaches, and former pros across the league to get real about what happens on the field and even behind the scenes So inside the locker rooms, during team meetings, and even back at the hotel. Catch the full block for every series available anywhere you get your podcast available everywhere now. Audible, get in the game. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens here on Wednesday, November 30th. We're almost in December. It's <laughs> kind of crazy to think about. Kevin Ostreicher still here with you. Let's dive into mailbag questions now. We have a lot of them. I'm excited to talk about them, but first I do want to get into one. So we'll start this off with a Greg Roman question from Scott. And he asks, any chance Romans let go before the season ends? I think it's a tough question. I, I talked about it a bit on Monday show, a little bit about just where I am and where I have been with Greg Roman for a while. I feel like it will it's probably too late in this week to do anything at this point. You know, I think if they were to do anything, it would have been the Monday after the game or even Tuesday. Maybe I'm wrong and may, maybe something happens and, and I just jinxed it or something like that. But I think it's probably too late this week. But if Baltimore comes out against Denver, who is just They are reeling. Denver is a reeling football team right now. There's all sorts of stuff about it. Is Nathaniel Hackett losing the locker room? Is Russell Wilson losing the locker room? If they go out and they lose to Denver, a 3-8 and football team has not been able to get anything going. The Ravens, I think, at that point, will have to make a change. And I'm not saying they will, but I would say that they probably should at that point in we're we're talking about scapegoats. Greg Roman, I think is number one on my list in terms of who the Ravens would let go to provide a jolt, provide a spark, much like we saw in 2012 when the Ravens fired Cam Cameron, they started off nine and two. They ended up going nine and four. They had a little two game losing streak there, which if the Ravens did lose against Denver in week 13, guess what? Two game losing streak week 12, Jacksonville week 13, Denver. So I think that that would be maybe the right time If the Ravens were to fire him, I I still think that they probably should move on. I just think both sides have probably outgrown each other at this point, but I have understood why the Ravens kept him. I think going out of that 2021 season, there were just far too many injuries to, for the Ravens to think for themselves. I think their mindset was, oh, you know, there were injuries, so we're going to keep him around, see what he can do in 2022. I personally probably would have moved on from him after that 2021 season, but Again, that was probably what the Ravens' reasoning was here. But we have an offense that this year, so through these 11 games, these 12 weeks, third best rushing offense, which has been a constant in these Greg Roman years here. They are averaging 5.3 yards per carry. But this year, they are the 17th rated pass offense. So right in the middle, 6.1 net yards per attempt. I mean, if we go back to look at these other seasons, it's kind of like it's kind of the same thing. You know, the Ravens have the fifth best rush offense in 2020 in terms of yards per attempt at 4.8, but they're the 19th best pass offense with 5.9 yards per attempt. Let's go back to 2020. The Ravens have the number one rated rush offense, 5.5 yards per attempt, but the 21st pass offense at 6.3 yards. So you have 21st, you have 19, you know, 17, and obviously 2019 was that historic season. So number one rush offense, then you also have number 10 pass offense, but I think the expectations were that the Ravens, although 2019 was historic and there was going to be many types of statistical regression, it's been kind of that middling ish pass offense to go along with a strong run game. But a lot of that has to do with the players that the Ravens have Gus Edwards, extremely talented. And last year, you know, they were doing it with guys like Devonta Freeman and (laughs) Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell and stuff. So I think that was a little more impressive than some people think it was the rush offense, at least, but, a lot of the things with Greg Roman go back to situational play calling, situational awareness, being able to get the ball in on time or getting the play calls in on time to get the offense in the line. It's these consistent recurring issues that just feel like to me, if you move on from a Greg Roman and I don't know who it would be in season, T. Martin, James Urban, whoever it would be maybe that is just the spark they would need. So, again, I don't think that they are going to move on from him this week because I just I literally think it's just too late in the week. They're already prepping for Denver. But if something happens in the Ravens somehow, I think they beat Denver, but if they somehow lose to Denver and the offense, again, cannot find rhythm, cannot start off quickly, et cetera, et cetera, then I think we could see a change. And and I think that that would probably be the time to. But, again, my whole thing is I don't think Greg Roman is this terrible, horrible offensive coordinator. I think he still is a, a solid one but I just think both sides have outgrown each other and that's where I am on that. So there's the Greg Roman question. I know we've had a, we've had a ton of Greg Roman conversations. I mean, it feels like years and years and years we've had them, but you know, they're worthwhile to have because of the stuff that we've seen from this offense. And then we'll also look here next at a question from Aaron Neal who says between Lamar's inconsistencies, wide receiver slash tight end not making the big play in G row play calling and schemes. How do the Ravens overcome that with six games left? and three left in the division. Well, they, they have four left in the division. They have two Pittsburgh, they have Cleveland, and they have Cincinnati. So four left for Baltimore in the division. They're 2-0 right now. Actually, that's they've won more divisional games this year so far in two games, and they won all of last year in six. They won one in five in their division last year. But regardless, it's a good question by Aaron here because these inconsistencies, they are biting the Ravens in a big way. And if they, if they could have just been a little more consistent against Jacksonville, a little more consistent against the Giants, a little more consistent against Buffalo, a little more consistent against Miami. We're probably talking about a team that has a couple less losses than they do now, but at the same time, we could also be talking about a team that has a couple more losses than they do because they've won a couple of close games where I'm not going to say they got lucky, but I'm going to say that if stuff bounced a different way, maybe Baltimore loses some of those games. So how do they fix it? I mean, this offense just seems shot of confidence right now they just i don't think they have a lot of confidence at, at this moment you know two really dud performances coming out of the bye week when you're expecting the offense to be able to begin to hit their stride or continue that stride from what we saw i go back to it in the second half against tampa and in, in the new orleans game as well you were expecting, oh, the Ravens have a bye week, they can rest up, they can get better. But then we start to see more struggles from the offense, more inconsistencies on third down, in the red zone, accuracy throwing, drops, play calling, just everything combined. And when they get it together, especially against Jacksonville, sometimes that can be too late. And that's not going to be to Buffalo. That's not get, That's not going to be to Kansas City. You have to get into some sort of rhythm Some of these things are mental, definitely. I mean, a lot of these players, Lamar Jackson, talented, extremely talented, right? Mark Andrews, extremely talented. So you have to be able to get on the same page if you're a player and coach. You have to be able to get on the same page player to player wise as well, not overthrow, not, not have these drops happen. I think we will see the sloppiness get cleaned up over the course of these next couple of couple of weeks here they have an opportunity to do it against the Denver team again that I've talked about is struggling right now this is the perfect that literally I've talked about like good get back game opportunities this one is the perfect get back game opportunity and all it takes is one all it takes is one to be able to get back on track so hopefully they'll be able to do something but they have to be able to be more consistent and not let little things beat them little mistakes that they inflict on themselves beat them that's something where you have to look at it and say just be better just be better in multiple different aspects sometimes to be as simple as that so that's where i am on that Nice question comes from starless what do you believe to be the source of the ravens red zone woes and do you believe it can be correctable come postseason time i do think it can be correctable come postseason time i threw out some of those red zone stats earlier in the show but for the ravens i just think it's being able to do your job i mean the rave you saw even even on the possessions where baltimore converted in the red zone against jacksonville we saw the Terrible, Mark Andrews drop in the end zone. DeMarcus Robinson had a drop in the end zone. Some of these play calls were just, what? What are we doing here when you're the Ravens? It goes back to what I talked about earlier, just getting on the same page and also just getting to the line or even just running some hurry up. You know, I think Lamar Jackson does that very well, and for him to be able to run that and just have freedom in this offense, especially in the red zone. I think the Ravens should trust Lamar Jackson more than they have with this offense so far. I think if you give him some of that freedom as a play caller it, and not necessarily him waiting for the play, and then you're switching out personnel groups, give some personnel groups some time together on the field consistently. Spencer Schultz again, made this point. I a hundred percent agree with it. Do that. And I think a lot changes for this offense because they're able to get into a rhythm. them. We, we talk about hot hands a lot. And we've talked about it before where the Ravens in this committee, or at least the committees they've had, you know, Even let's go back to 2019 and even 2020, you know, when they've had Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, right? When they had those types of committees, they were riding the hot hands in some of those where, you know, one running back would get a drive or most of a drive. But in this one, we're seeing guys rotating in and out. You're exchanging three, four, five players every play or every couple of plays, I just say, ride it out in the red zone and say, Hey, this is the personnel group we're going to use in the red zone for maybe like, even if it's two downs in the red zone, not flip flop every single one. So those are some of the things, you know, just more on the complex level, but simply you just, you got to convert. You got to do your job in the red zone. The Ravens could have easily converted more in the red zone. If there were a couple better play calls here and there and a couple better executed plays. So those are the couple of many things I would say I would do. Then we have a question from Brando. What's up, brother? Why is there so much inconsistency with Kenyon Drake's playing time? Actually, this fits in really well with what I just said. (laughs) I talked about kind of the hot hand thing. I think with the Ravens, when everybody's fully healthy, right, if we're talking like J.K. Dobbins' health, Gus Edwards' health, Drake, everybody healthy, Drake is third in in the pecking order. But Drake offers you a lot as a receiver. But I think Justice Hill has come on a lot this year, and some of the inconsistencies with Kenyon Drake have been because Justice Hill has been playing, I think, pretty well. And obviously with Gus Edwards back, you want that in there. But Drake has had opportunities this year. I would like to see a bit more consistent playing time out of him as well. But we've also seen some inconsistencies with Kenny and Drake this year. He's had really, really good games, and he's had really, really bad games. I still think he's a positive asset for them. I still think he's very good for them this year, and he has been. But I think you're able to utilize these running backs and keep them fresh, keep them on the sideline, then bring them in and have them be – just a lot fresher than some of these defenders are. So yeah, I, th- I think for the Ravens, they can utilize Drake and, and Hill and Edwards and Dobbins all together. but we're not going to see consistent playing time all over the place because they have so many, they don't need a, a bell cow type player. Now I think Drake, Drake and Hill can split third down duties as well. And so that's why you don't have maybe a sole third down back on third and long third and medium situations. That you have to pitch and hole in there and use. You have flexibility for the Ravens to go and use some of those guys in other ways as well. Coming up here on the final segment of Lockdown Ravens, we'll be finishing up these mailbag questions, talking about Marcus Peters, talking about this Ravens team and how they can battle back from some of these struggles they've had over these last few weeks. So be sure to stay tuned. So a ton to dive into here on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is sponsored by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I've used LinkedIn Jobs for a ton of things. They've helped me out a ton. Throughout my life, and it's super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the purple hashtag Hiring Frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. You have simple tools you can use, like training questions, that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's super important to finish the year strong, and the right team member can help you do that. It's why small businesses, right? Landing jobs, number one, delivering quality hires. Versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com/slash lockedonNFL. That's linkedin.com/slash lockedonNFL to post your job for free. Terms conditions apply. We're back here, rounding out Locked On Ravens Wednesday edition. Kevin Ostracher, your host, still here with you on the final day of november as we get ready we get geared up here to go into december and we're gonna continue our mailbag here round out some of these questions talk about positional needs and more so let's start off with some positional need questions with a question first from bradley shoemaker who says what position do you think is the most needed moving into week 12 now this is an interesting one in, in terms of like if the ravens were to add someone to their roster or what position what would it be I mean, I think wide receiver is one that I continue to look at. I think Baltimore has needed that for well, going back years, but I still think they should have added somebody in the off season, not named Marcus Robinson. I still think they should have added somebody at the trade deadline. I think Odo Beckham Jr. is the guy you want to target. If you're the Ravens, I know he, has been looking at teams, and it's been a whole saga with him. But I still think he is the one needle mover. I don't even—I don't even classify Will Fuller in this anymore. I think Odell Beckham is truly the only wide receiver that this Ravens team should go out there and sign because the other ones don't really move a needle for me at, at this point. Other ones you can look at corner. You know what do the Ravens have at corner right now? The issue is everyone needs a corner. Everyone needs even offensive tackles, right? Everyone needs a corner. Everyone needs an offensive tackle right now. You're not going to find a lot of quality options on the market right now. And ones that move the needle again, that's, that's what I come back to. So for me, I still think those three are probably the biggest positions that Baltimore needs right now. I mean, you're getting some reinforcements back, hopefully soon safety with Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams, outside linebacker with David Ajabo, tight end, Charlie Kohler, you know, running back with JK Dobbins, et cetera. So I think that those three that I listed off wide receiver corner and offensive tackle, but. Even offensive tackle-wise, they're pretty set once Ronnie Stanley comes back. But again, there aren't a lot of quality options right now that you can say, hey, this guy's going to move the needle for us. I think I think Odo Beckham is that true needle mover that the Ravens would be able to potentially bring in. But just where's the interest level from the Ravens? Where's the interest level from Odo Beckham Jr.? I guess we don't really we don't really know that right now. We're not going to find out until maybe a couple months down the line here when he either doesn't or does sign. So we'll, we'll see. Next, though, we have a question tying into that. From JBR, who says, how big of a priority do you expect cornerback to be this offseason? Huge. I think corner is going to be a huge priority this offseason. They need it. Marcus, this comes back to the Marcus Peters question we've been talking about throughout the course of even dating back to last week, really, where what are the Ravens going to do with Marcus Peters? He has not been... Amazing this season. He I guess Jacksonville was not a good game for him whatsoever, but we've seen him in the area of a lot of completions this year. And if you're looking at a place in this defense to pick on right now, Spencer Still's talked a bit about this as well on yesterday's show. So I highly recommend listening to yesterday's show, by the way. But it's you're going at Marcus Peters, you're going at whoever is not Marlon Humphrey. Brandon Stevens has not played wonderful this year. Doesn't seem like the Ravens are fully trustworthy of a guy like Pepe Williams, even though he's made a couple plays. You have Kyle Hamilton playing the nickel role very, very well playing in the slot. So you have that option, but I think you want to be able to roam him around a little bit more than you're able to if you just lock him into playing that only nickel role. So the Ravens, I think, will invest in the corner very early in the 2023 draft. Now the kicker here is that the Ravens do not have their second round pick in that Roquan Smith deal. So I think corner is a very realistic option for them in the first round if they don't go with like a wide receiver or a defensive lineman or, you know, something of that nature. I know we're we're so far away from the draft right now. It's kind of like, I'm trying to shift into draft mode, but we're still fully in regular season mode. So this question is like a little of both, but I still think that they should try. Like, look, if Marcus Peters can come back on a team friendly deal, I'm all for it. I think he's important to what the Ravens do, but I think expectation wise for who he is as a player right now, he's not what he was a couple years ago. I think he has the potential to get back to that form, but is it realistic? That's a, another question for another day. So I think Baltimore should invest heavily in that position in the off season for agent wise, draft wise, maybe even a trade wise. I think it's important for them to address that because if Marlon Humphrey goes down right now, if you're the Ravens, it's disaster. It is disaster for what the Ravens have without the, without him. It's Peters It's Stevens. It's, it's Pepe Williams. You can play Hamilton in the nickel as well. So you definitely want to have some options there aside from Marlon Humphrey that you can consistently week to week rely on overall. Next, we have a question from Tommy Brady, who says, if you're not the Falcons, you should win every game when you're up by 10 plus. I mean, especially in the fourth quarter, I mean, these fourth quarter leads that are being blown by the Ravens. It just seems like they're so close and then something happens and it just all spirals out of control. Right. So, I mean, I I don't know if I'd go as far as saying if if you're not, if you're not the Falcons, but I I do think that if Baltimore has these 10 point leads, I mean, we've seen the stats and they've been circulating on social media where the Ravens have been up by double digits, by double digits in every game. And they're the only team throughout the first 11 games to be up by double digits in every game and not be undefeated and not be undefeated. So they have to be able to get – they have to get down to business late in these fourth quarters, grind out wins. Even if you win by one or two points and you surrender some points in that fourth quarter, you have to be better in that area, definitely, if you're Baltimore. Finally, we have a couple of comments here from Baltimore Wizard, who says, players that have been the issue this year, sharply declining Peters, Clark, O.A., Stevens. Offensive players that need to be on the field less, Oliver Ricard, Wallace, Prochet – I don't know how the front office and coaches see continued failures and bring them back thinking it will be different. Harbaugh has said the same phrases after every loss and hasn't done anything to correct them. Poor clock management on no, and the inability to make a stop on D and has cost them four games. They shouldn't have lost. Why do you think he is so clueless? Roman has got to go. If we want to win a super bowl. Well, all right. Lots of unpack there. We'll, we'll dive into it. So, I think that declining players, Peters Clark, O.A. Stevens, Peters, uh, we've talked about him, you know, hasn't been his Marcus Peters self this year. Chuck Clark has had some mistakes throughout the season. I know a lot of people are tired of Chuck Clark right now. I still think he's fine. I don't think he's like an all-world world player, but he has made some costly mistakes throughout the season Adafi always had a not great year this year. He's been very inconsistent. I think that's putting it pretty nicely. He he has to have more of an impact than he's had this year. It's been it's been very rough for Adape. He's been held a lot, but at some point you have to be able to work through those and even when you're not being held cuz he's not he's not getting held on every single single play although it has been a decent amount. You have to be able to work through that. And Brandon Stevens, yeah, I mean, I think he's Brandon Stevens has just been meh this year. I mean, he's made some great plays. He's made some not great plays. Offensive players need to be on the field less. Oliver Ricard, Wallace share. I think Oliver's been really good this year. I, John Harbaugh's raved about him. I think he's been great. You know, he's not this like all world tight end again, but for a number two type guy, I think he's been. I think he's been fine. Patrick Ricard. Sure. I mean, I I can see where the argument is there, but the Ravens offense just runs through these heavy sets where I, I don't think we're going to see him off the field less. Tylan Walsh and James Prochet. I mean, per, for Prochet, you're, you're running the offense right now without Bateman through Duvernay, through Robinson wide receiver wise. I think Prochet has to get him on the field in these situations. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, some of these guys. So you don't really have a lot of other options outside of those. And then, you know, I don't think they're necessarily failures I think that's a little bit of a strong word but I do understand the consistent you know neglecting the wide receiver position and expecting it to be different and then it's not you know you're running this offense a certain way and it's been it's been good but I don't think we're seeing the full potential and I think that's what's frustrating to so many people here and then in terms of the uh, Harbaugh saying the same phrases, I know people are frustrated by that where it's you know We'll look at everything and we, you know, we know this is an issue. We'll figure it out. And then we don't see it. We've seen it with Devin DuVernay snaps. You've seen it with the play calling with the red zone. They do have to act on it and have this accountability aspect. And you know, what we've seen accountability wise, I think a great example of that was Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton. I go back to this example. I think it's a great example of how to use accountability and actually be accountable. He struggled at the end of that Miami game, gave up a couple of really big plays that cost him that game. He comes back in week three after saying he's going to improve and be better. And he forces a huge, huge fumble on Nelson Aguilar to end up honestly winning Baltimore that game. So that's how you should be accountable. You got to show it. You got to say, hey, we know this is not right. We know we have to be better. And then you got to show it and not just say it and not show it the next week. So that's where I am there. I don't think they're clueless. I I think they understand what's going on. And in terms of Greg Roman, again, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Greg Roman. It all comes back (laughs) at the end. The Greg Roman in this offense. So they have to be better. They have a big game coming up in week 13 and we will see how it all unfolds for them. But That's all I have here today on Lockdown Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll it back here tomorrow. It'll be more Ravens content beginning to preview that week 13 game against the Denver Broncos. So be sure to stay tuned for that and I will see you right back here tomorrow.